Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My name is Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer. And tonight, or this episode, I have uh, asked to join me Eric Sawyers. Eric is with Break from Reality Games, and his Kickstarter project ended actually just a few hours ago as of the recording of this uh, episode. And his project, um, Disaster Looms, did quite well. And so I asked Eric to come on the show and talk to us a little bit about the success and about a little bit of what happened with this project. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, um, what the listeners don't know, Eric, is that you and I have just been chatting for, I swear it's been a couple of hours, just talking about everything that has to do with the board game industry and how enthusiastic we are about the changes that we see coming and the excitement that's building in that is being brought on by Kickstarter. Tell us about, a little bit about your project, Disaster Looms, particularly because you had kind of a unique thing happen that last day. Tell us a little bit about where the project came from and the success that you found. Because you raised, just to tell the listeners, he raised $75,000, which I know Goger raised a million. Okay, I know that. But even with in today's new age, 75000 is a very respectable number. Tell us what, how that came about. Sure. Well, um, you know, we, we have uh, been working on the game for uh, over a year before we launched our Kickstarter. Uh, we started uh, the development of Disaster Looms, Looms in April of last year. Um, I say we because I've got a team of, a uh, total team of about seven people uh, working on the project. Um, and uh, it has been a huge amount of labor. Um, to, you know, create the concept, to develop the game, um, and uh, to learn about the industry, uh, to learn how to make a game, um, and learn how to, uh, you know, use Kickstarter to be able to get the game in front of, uh, you know, hopeful fans. Um, you know, and uh, everything kind of uh, went well with the campaign. We, we started April 27th. Um, you know, we, I woke up this morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, and, and we were at about uh, in that specific time. Uh, we were at about just shy of $47,000. And uh, about an hour later, um, Penny Arcade put a front-page post uh, saying that our game was uh, ripe for the picking, basically. And uh, uh, essentially every three minutes, we raised $1,000. Hey, that's that's pretty good money if you can if you can make that for a whole year. It made me very sad that the campaign was ending in two hours and forty minutes when uh, that post went up. I bet. Wow. And and we're talking about a project that had right no in no history. This is an ogre, right? The people haven't heard of Break from Reality Games. They haven't heard from Disaster Looms, or had they? No, absolutely not. I mean, this is a new IP. Um, you know, our entire team is uh, basically a collection of avid gamers, um, but none of us are uh, game designers or, or, you know, really known artists um, uh, in the, the, uh, the gaming industry for sure. Okay, so you learned everything. You just woke up one morning and th- said, I think I'll make a top-selling game on Kickstarter. That sounds like fun. Is that kind of how this happened? <laughs> Well, actually, uh, it kind of happened with I had a uh, had the idea for the game and, and something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And a friend of mine said about two years ago, Eric, when are you going to start making games? And, uh, you know, I think it just kind of stuck in my head. I was kind of tired of, uh, um, 
you know, not doing anything in the evenings after work, and uh, I have a very strong work ethic, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, you know, asked some friends if they would be interested in helping me in making this happen. And when we started in April of last year, um, we had no idea how we were going to get published. Um, we had no idea about anything, basically, um, of, of how we are going to make this happen. Um, I went on an Internet search to find uh, manufacturers, and I found uh, European and Asian as well as American manufacturers and started reaching out to them, trying to find, actually, we had a few game companies that were kind of our idols, and we wanted to make the games at the places that these companies were making their games. And so Z-Man was actually a company that stood out to us. We really enjoyed the quality of their games, um, and that led us to Panda Games. Um, and uh, that's basically where I was uh, before Gen Con of last year. And at Gen Con, I discovered Kickstarter, and that changed everything for us. Um, now once that, we now, knew about Kickstarter... Now, that's funny ahead. because most people find Panda Games because of Kickstarter, and the fact that you had already found Panda, but Kickstarter kind of changed your direction on that. That's kind of going against the, the traditional tide here. Yeah, so, um, you know, we were trying to figure out how to sell the game. And my thought was, well, Z-Man Games buys games that, um, you know, that they like, that they, they think is going to, to sell. So my concept was was to go to Panda Games, have them make up prototypes, and then for me to go on a begging campaign to Z-Man, uh, basically trying to convince them that this is a game that they should definitely publish. When I went to Gen Con and learned about, about uh, Kickstarter, um, one, I was kind of pissed that I hadn't heard of it before. Uh, um, but uh, secondly, um, it, it kind of opened up my eyes and said, hey, I don't need to go to a traditional publishing house to do this. I can do this myself, and my team has every skill necessary in order to do this um, in-house. And so starting uh, basically the week I got back from um, Gen Con, we actually uh, just launched launched our project within about a month of that um, on Kickstarter and just started building and feeding Kickstarter uh, with information and, and um, you know, getting uh, um, everything together that we needed in order to launch a Kickstarter campaign. Our hopes was to do it before the end of last year, um, but uh, marriages happened and life, and, you know, it ended up not being until April 27th when we finally launched. And so you talk about – so your experience is similar to a lot of other people that, that have found Kickstarter and are like, hey, I can do this myself. But doing it yourself, uh, there's a lot of challenges to that, right? There's a, it's, it's not easy, a lot of work, a lot of effort. Uh, the Kickstarter campaign by, its, by itself it takes a lot of effort. But in your case, you've done something kind of unique that I wanted to talk about because um, – there's designing the game, getting it on Kickstarter, getting the artwork, but then there's the actual publishing the game. And we're not talking yes. about just the overall the title publisher. We're talking about getting it to a printer and getting it into a warehouse and getting it into a store. So talk about yes. that because you've done it differently. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had quotes from, uh, uh, from Panda and, and, and actually a couple other Chinese manufacturers um, I had samples in hand, um, 
But we actually, um, one of the things that really frustrated me about manufacturing in Asia is not because it's by American and, you know, patriotic or whatnot. I, I think of ourselves as being in a global community at this point. What really frustrated me is investing thousands of dollars into something that was adding absolutely no value to my end customer, and that is freight. And my background is, is such that, um, you know, I, uh, I wanted to optimize as much as possible uh, the efficiency of, of manufacturing this. And so I started looking at U.S. producers, and I was told over and over and over again by a lot of people in the industry that it can't be done. Um, but I was able to figure out a way not only to um, do printing here in the U.S., but to save thousands of dollars versus printing in Asia. So okay. and that you took, was so. And you took this idea because you went to. We talked about you went to Gamma, and Gamma is the place where yes. Gamma is not. Gamma is not an end user show. It is a. It's a. It's a business show, a good way, right? It's, yep, a, trade fact, show. it's a trade yep. show. It, you're not there to play games. You're there right. for business. And you went uh, going around telling people your pitch, and, and what kind of response did you get? And, and what I mean so, by that is the pitch of, hey, look, do this for me. I think this is a great opportunity in the U.S., right? And what kind of response did you get? So, you know, there was quite a few American uh, printers there. Panda Games was there as well, actually. Um, but there's several large uh, U.S. printers um, that was there. Um, and, you know, my initial concept was, you know, just find out about minimums and find about, you know, what, what capabilities they have. And, and actually one of my primary objectives of going to Gamma was to find a U.S. A US printer. That's why I went to Gamma. And... Um, you know, I pretty much got shot down by uh, everybody that was at the show. Um, you know, their minimums were, I mean, the, the smallest minimum was a 5,000 print run, um, which, you know, is a, is a pretty big investment. It requires you to do, um, you know, a good thirty-five or $40,000 Kickstarter uh, in order to print that many yeah. games, especially for the type of game that we're printing because Disaster Looms is just not cardboard. No. Um, it's not a dice game. It's actually a fantasy flight level type of game. It has actually hand sculpted, um, you know, unique designed uh, plastic models. It has cardboard, a lot of cardboard. Um, it has, um, you know, unique specifications on materials. All of these things kind of led up to, you know, kind of expensive to make. Um, and so, you know, we're, to produce 5,000 games just was out of the realm of possibility for us. So when you found – because you did find somebody in the U.S. to do your printing for you, do they do all your manufacturing? So the cardboard, the cards, the dice, and the, and the figs and everything? They do all – basically the, the printing we're doing in the U.S. Is, is all of our cardboard. They're doing boxes. They're doing the insert trays. They're doing um, our player dashboards, all of our tiles, and our cards. The ships I am still manufacturing in Asia, though, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, I could either print 2,500 copies of the game um, in, in, in total, um, or I could just buy a die mold for the plastics. 
um, here in the United States. A dye mold to do our ships was $19,000, was our cheapest quote that we got here in the U.S. Ouch. In China, it's $3,100. Let me, hang on, let me do so, the math. Let me do the math. Hang on, hang on. Oh, okay, all right, got it. $16,000 difference. Yes. And so, um, you know, we we were able to do the printing here in the U.S. We actually found a printer who's willing to do a uh, a 3,500-piece run for us. Um, We uh, are actually having the ships produced in Asia, uh, and then we're having the ships air freighted um, directly to our manufacturer here in the United States. Um, we've cut not only uh, about $5,000 worth of costs out of our manufacturing by doing this, but we've also cut about two months of manufacturing time. Because, right, so how ironic that the, you, you have it in China and now you're shipping by air. The piece, yes. The, just the pieces at which speeds up. It, and if you're shipping by air, now we're just talking about a couple of days, uh, getting it in, getting through customs, yep. and there you go. Yep. That's right. Okay, so you've gone through this process now. You weren't. You have a bit of a, a background in gaming. You've been gaming for a while. Um, so, what do you see? Your experience at Gamma. Now, most of the people who are listening aren't going to be able to, to replicate kind of what you did. They, um, you and I talked. You have an extensive background in logistics and manufacturing, uh, that type of thing. Uh, that it's an industry you know very well. Most people who come up with a game design and want to get it published, they're not experts in logistics and manufacturing. And if they were to go to Gamma and start walking around, they're, they're going to be lost. So you've done this, but does this really, I mean, does this work or solve the problem for the average Kickstarter person out there who wants to make their game and, and they're stuck back? What do you, what do you tell them? Well, anyone who's who's come to me for help, which I've had quite a few projects actually um, that I've I've talked with and consulted and and basically helped give some direction on on where to go for for manufacturing of various parts. Um, you know, it, it isn't something that um, you know you 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 can do easily. But I can tell you that there are definitely um, you know printers. There are definitely um, creative solutions out there that if you if you think about how you can do things efficiently um, there's certainly ways uh, there's certainly ways to cut costs and to be able to be more efficient than just handing your game design off to an Asian manufacturer and uh, you know letting them produce the game box it up and, and ship it over here yeah that's really easy but it's definitely not uh, the most efficient way to, to do it in my opinion Okay. And experience, I guess. And in your opinion and your experience, you uh, your first game hits the hits the market, nearly a thousand backers, seventy five thousand dollars of money, um, twenty six thousand of it in the last few hours, uh, more money than most projects raise. Uh, what do you see the changes coming? You talked about Z Man. You talked about uh, some of these other games that you know some of these manufacturers aren't particularly excited about Kickstarter. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, change that's come from Kickstarter, and it's definitely a significant disruption to the traditional distribution and supply chain that the gaming industry is used to. 
Um, it's also escalating the pace in which games are being produced into the market. Um, so there's there's definitely some challenges that the, the traditional board game industry is facing of, you know, having so many new games and titles coming out uh, that, you know, especially smaller shops uh, that uh, either don't have big budgets or don't have big wall space um, to be able to carry inventory uh, are going to be particularly challenged um, because people are are, are <laughs> going to be coming into their stores and it's going to be more and more difficult for them to meet those those requests. Um, to be able to have a broad selection now is going to be a lot more games than what it used to be even a year ago. Yeah, and and in six months it's going to be uh, it's going to be even more crazy. Absolutely. I mean, you have you've you've opened up. You know that there's you know there's books out there that that write about this phenomena. Um, uh, one of them is um, the world is flat. Um, the Friedman's book, Thomas Friedman's book. Right? Yep, that's right. That's right. So this is an effect of that. This is this is basically what Kickstarter has allowed happen. It's, it's allowed people like me who has an idea that um, we think is a good one um, to get it in front of tens of thousands, if not millions, of other people and say, "Hey, I think this is a good idea. What do you think?" And if you think it's a good idea, you put money toward the project. And all of a sudden, you have a um, a, a form of, of um, production of, of actual manufacturing that's being driven democratically by people voting with their dollars, saying what they want made. And that's not happened. Um, that's not happened in, in you know anywhere previously. Um, and it's it's kind of neat to see that happening. Um, but there's a because of that, there's a lot of people that have suddenly become publishers um, so that your traditional large publishing houses all of a sudden have um, hundreds, if not thousands, of new games that they are competing with. Yeah, competitors. Luck- yep. But luckily for the industry, uh, folks like Will Wheaton and uh, the tabletop gaming program that he's doing is acting as a introduction to the industry for you know millions of new people you know to to this hobby, um, and so it's a, a very interesting time right now. I think in the gaming industry, um, it is definitely a time of growth and uh, prosperity. But there's some major problems uh, that's looming uh, kind of in the shadows uh, from a distribution and a supply chain perspective. And that's a perfect topic for another episode. So, <laughs> so we are down to our last uh, few seconds here. I just want to say, Eric, it's been awesome to talk to you, have you on the show. Uh, great to watch the success of Disaster Looms. It kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it, uh, it had spectacular success. Uh, PAX, excuse me, uh, Penny Arcade certainly helps to, to kind of push that out there. But you had already yeah. achieved your own success, almost doubling your initial goal. So nice job with that. Thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show and kind of share a little bit of what you've learned in your expertise. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and a big shout out to our backers for, for uh, you know, um, having the enthusiasm around Disaster Looms uh, to make it the success that it has been. Perfect. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer. 
And hopefully you've heard something to be inspired. You'll go out and fund your own dream. And we look forward to it. Thank you so much. That's the bell. Take care.